You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. The Game Plan podcast, of course, means Jason Staples and Greg Barnes are with me. Mercer, Greg, um, we'll get into it, but Mercer here before rivalry week of NC State. Um, your thoughts on Carolina playing these type games has been this way the last few years. I'm not so sure I like it, uh, but I guess it serves a purpose. But Carolina and Mercer on Saturday, um, what you think about it? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I get the idea that you want to set up for your uh, rivalry game. Uh, but I think, I mean, this year is a great example. You want this game to be your first game of the year. And I, I get occasionally you're going to have these you know, CFA kickoff games and you know, kickoff classics, whatever, whatever they're named. Uh, and that's, that's fun. That That's good for the fan base. That's good to get some national exposure. I understand that. Uh, but this is the type of game that you need to have, you know, either week one or week two, just because you've got so many, every team has so many young guys that have the potential to contribute throughout the course of the year. But most of them are not ready week one. And they need to get some experience. They need to get their feet wet. Uh, and if they have some success and they are able to build some confidence early, now you're talking about somebody that can really help you out in the latter part of the year. Uh, the way this year has played out for North Carolina, because they haven't had this type of game, uh, you know, most of those guys haven't played. And they've played very sparingly, the ones that have. And so you're going to see a lot of different players get, get playing time, and that's good. Um, but if this game is, is week one or week two, you know, maybe they're able to contribute a little bit more and maybe North Carolina, instead of just kind of running out of gas against Virginia and Pitt, maybe the, the main guys have a little bit more energy uh, and they're able to get over the uh, the finish line. But it is what it is, and that's, that's one of the unique things about when you've got a 12-game schedule uh, and you've only got an eight-game conference schedule, you've got to fill in. And uh, you don't want to have two of these games. You only want one. And then you've got to work your schedule around what you can get anywhere else and they're scheduling games so far in advance now uh, that it really makes it really makes it challenging so certainly not an easy fix uh, but that that's just my personal opinion jason is sort of a you know and i don't know if the sec started it but I, I first noticed it the sec would have these type games late in the season and i sort of got it there they're playing brutal schedules or whatever they need to breather but I kind of like what Greg's talking about. You want these games early so you can see who can play and help you in game action, whether it's against Mercer or whoever. Uh, you're more likely to play them early in the season. Uh, talk about the scheduling of this type of game, given the red shirt rules. Because I think that is, you know, we're trying to grasp at straws as to why this game is helpful for North Carolina. I don't think it where it is is very helpful with the current setup with the red shirt rules, the four games deal, but your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, the, the alternative of course is to take the NC state route and schedule 
four of three them. of these games, you know, <laughs> plus a, another group of five game, uh, you know, three of these type types of games. And uh, then you can put two of them at the beginning of the season and then one, you know, one toward the end and then you're in good shape. So, you know, that's always an option. And, you know, some teams, some programs have decided to go that option, that route for, you know, a long time. So, you know, we can't rule that one out either, guys. So, uh <laughs> I do think though that that it's it's a difficult thing because even if you put it early in the year, a lot of a lot of young guys aren't even ready really even to play in game one or two against one of these teams to really get much out of that out of that experience. So I mean, unless you're an early enrollee, you're not going to be really ready to do a whole lot until midseason at least. And so you know that it even if you put it early that that's still going to be a limited experience a limited deal for only some of the young guys and and you know the the guys that are most ready to go uh and then like you said the red shirt rule does complicate this a bit more because i mean that before the red before the new red shirt rule where you can play four games play in four games and then red shirt i would have leaned more towards the early season type thing like what Greg was just saying, even though you know that, you know, those guys aren't going to really be necessarily ready to benefit from it or even contribute against one of these teams early on. But now that you've got the four game red shirt rule, you're, you're kind of hesitant. If it's, if it's a kid that's a marginal red shirt, if that's game one or game two, you might not want to play him because, you know, what happens if in game nine or game 10, somebody goes down and now you need to now you need to play that kid for the last three games and you're going to burn a shirt so that that complicates things a little bit more because more teams are trying to limit more of their freshman class to using them in four games so that they have five years uh and that that i think is another determining factor here that actually that would tilt it towards in some cases wanting to to use this at the end of the year, because you're actually flipping your development curve more towards getting this year's freshmen ready to be top level contributors for next year. Uh, And ultimately that's where, I mean, when a program starts getting more, more depth, when a program gets healthy, that's what you want. Anyway, you want your freshmen starting to emerge a little bit and maybe starting to show some signs and getting a little bit of experience at the end of the first year. So that then, when they're redshirt freshmen or, or sophomores the next year, they're ready to roll. So, I mean, there's some benefit, there's some utility to it. There's certainly utility to plan against uh plan to get in this kind of warm up game before playing your rival. But I'm not a fan of the games in general, just because I think power five teams should all play power five teams, but you know, or at least play all FBS teams. But you know, that's just not the way the business works at this point. Greg, it was interesting last year, and we'll talk more about the game itself after the break, but it was interesting last year. If, if Help me with my memory, and I don't know if anybody's in the same situation this year. I haven't really studied it, but I think Cade Fortin was going to come back, and he was going to be ready to play against State, uh, but he couldn't get that warm-up game against, I guess, Western Carolina because he had been used before you know, in three games, it was just a weird situation. I just don't see any benefit of of the way these things are set up. Um, 
so what does Mac Brown do? Do you think does he play guys that haven't played in any games? I mean, because there's a stack of them. Um, you know, how do they work it on Saturday to benefit the team other than you know put more snaps on the starters? You know that you know that are already loaded down. Well, first things first, uh, you've got to make sure that you come out and and you play your A game. Uh, we've talked about this all season long. We're talking about a four and six team. Uh, should they win this game big? Of course they should. Uh, can they screw around like they did against Western for a while last year? And the game, while you have a good working margin, it may not be significant enough where you feel comfortable putting somebody out there that hasn't played, to your point. So I think first and foremost, you have to make sure your starters go in and execute on both sides of the ball and build you a substantial lead. Once that occurs, and once you're able to get into the second half, uh, then you can play whoever you want to play. Uh, and if you want to give you know your your twos and threes, the majority of the reps, maybe in the late second and third quarter, and then really just put whoever in there in the fourth, have at it. You have that luxury as long as your starters did what they're supposed to do. Uh, but then you also have the factor, the, the issue with uh, there's been injuries, uh, and you don't have like quality depth. And, you know, Mac's been adamant since spring that guys have to earn the opportunity to play. So just because there are guys on the roster who uh, you have not seen playing time, you, there's a difference in those guys not being able to play because a game is close and not being able to play because they haven't earned it. And so the ones that have earned it will see a lot of playing time. Uh, but I don't know how many of those guys that haven't earned it to this point are going to see action because they haven't earned it. And so I, I, that, that's fascinating to me is if this game gets out of hand early, who do we not see play? And is that an indication, okay, well, this guy didn't even play against the team where North Carolina led by 35 points. Does that mean he's leaving? Does that mean there's issues at hand that we need to look into? Uh, and so there's that component as well. It's an interesting dynamic. We know how Larry Fedora handled some of it. We'll see how – Matt Brown handles it on Saturday. I'm going to take a short break, talk about Johnny T-shirt right fast. Of course, the best place to get your Carolina gear, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or other sports, uh, soccer, women's soccer still going on, so you can get your jerseys there. Of course, Inside Carolina premium subscribers get that 10% off their everyday order in person on Franklin Street. If you're in town for the Mercer game or in town for a basketball game, they'll give you that 10% in the store, or, of course, you can get it 10% off online. It's Christmas time. A lot of a lot of fans listen to these podcasts. A lot of folks buy a lot of Carolina gear. There's plenty of places to get Carolina gear. There's no better place to get it than Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Let's sort of turn a little bit towards this game specifically. And we and I don't mean to shortchange Mercer. Um, Mike Ingersoll said it earlier in the week. These guys are college football players. They have um, scholarships. Some of them do. They certainly um, have the ability, and Carolina shouldn't take them lightly. But, Jason, specifically about one player uh, that cannot get hurt for North Carolina, and that's Sam Howell. So how does Mac Brown use Sam Howell in a game like this? Is there any difference um, – especially, you know, while he's out there than there has been all year. I mean, you, you play him like you have all year, or do you do something different with him? What do you think happens on Saturday? 
I don't think you can afford really to do anything different with him. I mean, maybe you call, maybe you call concepts that get it out a little quicker on some things. And, you know, you, you take kind of the Clemson and the not big game uh, strategy angle. And if you watch Clemson over the last few years, I mean, going back to when they had Deshaun Watson in the field, uh, they would, they would run the quarterback four, maybe, you know, three, two, three, four times a game against regular competition and then they, then when they played Florida State or when they got into the college football playoff or against South Carolina, when South Carolina was good, all of a sudden you'd see their quarterback run it like 10, 12, 15 times. And it's like, oh, wow. So they, they've, got the, they've got the big game package in now where they're running the quarterback. Uh, but they didn't do that in the, in, the, in the lower level games. You basically do the same thing that Clemson did where everything else is the same, but all things being equal, you're telling how – Okay, on these reads, it's a give unless we tell you otherwise. And uh, on, you know, some of these some of these situations where it's a where where possibly against a, a really good opponent, against a rival, against NC State next week, we're going to run the quarterback down in the red zone because that that's our best way to get numbers, and and we got a chance if we run quarterback power to punch this in. You're not doing that here. That's really the only difference because you you got to still run your stuff. And you still got to, I mean, you still got to treat these guys again. Like, like my compatriot just said, they're college athletes too. You've got to actually go out and beat them. So you got to be able to go out and, uh, and, and execute well enough and do your stuff and polish up enough of what you're going to be running against NC state that you're getting something out of it. So, and, and the thing is, if you play too much not to get hurt, that's a sure way to get hurt. You have to, you have to go out and play football and, you know, just don't do anything stupid. Don't put him in, in danger uh, in the way that you might have to to win certain other games. But otherwise, it's basically the same thing. So, Greg, when you're calling plays at this point in the season, um, we talk you know, all year about you stay vanilla early. You don't want to show anybody. I, for the most part, everybody's seen everything. But does Carolina uh, go longo? We'll talk about the offense. Does Carolina just go basic? and quote-unquote vanilla against Mercer, saving whatever they have left in the quiver for NC State? I don't think so. I think you have to look at this as a program-building game. And, yes, you want to prepare for NC State, and they certainly will. Uh, But you are building for the future, right? I mean, this season, uh, you need to win two to get to a bowl game. We, We understand that. But what could have been is gone, and there's no more. And so you're really, I mean, if you listen to Mac Brown on Monday, uh, without doing it, he's already talking about next year and about 2021, about all the exciting things that are going to take place with recruiting and how guys are going to have another season under their belt and they're going to be more experienced and all these recruits are coming in and 2021 is going to be special. Uh, And so you're, you're program building. And so you don't come into this game and just go vanilla. I think the big thing that the Mac talked about this week was he showed them on Wednesday. He sat the team down in their team meeting Wednesday morning, 6 a.m., and showed them cut-ups of the Western Carolina game last year just so they understood that there were a lot of breakdowns. It was a sloppy game, and it was sloppy because North Carolina, is as much as that team struggled last year, they didn't have to play good to win that game, and they knew it. And so what did they do? They came out and went through the motions. 
They still won 49-26 or whatever the score was. But it wasn't like quality football. And that was the point Mac wanted to get across. Is like, guys, you, you played Clemson to one point. That team is going to be in the college football playoff. So what we need to do is we need to play every single opponent at that level. He's, he's, he's talked all season. He was not happy how they came out against Wake. He was not happy how they came out against App. If you want to be great, be great every single Saturday. And that's the challenge this week. As he said, it's not about Mercer. It's about coming out and, and playing to their potential. And so I think if you go completely vanilla, the coaching staff is giving the players the wrong idea. Um, are you going to hold on to some things? And, and uh, can you afford to be uh, more conservative? Of course you can. You're, you're more talented. But I think at this point, you're trying to make the guys play to a standard. It's not about the scoreboard. It's about are they doing exactly what we've asked them to do with the effort and passion that we've required? And if they do that, that sets you in a good spot for next week against NC State. Um, regardless of what schematics you may have involved. So there are a couple of different things in play here. Uh, but I do think you, you come into this game, you do what you do early, right? Trying to build a big lead, trying to say, look, as starters, we're going in and we're playing and we're going to try to dominate. And if we can get up 35 to zip by halftime, we're rolling. We can you change course at that point in time. Uh, but you don't want to get into the second quarter and this be like a 10-3 to 3 game because that, that's not a good look. That doesn't bode well for kind of what the team wants to do this weekend. So your Mercer's 4-7. and seven. They've lost their starting quarterback. Uh, that's a, a team that, that's really struggling right now despite having some experience. So come, come in, do what you're supposed to do, take care of business, and then when you get into the second half, that's when you can start doing different things with some new players. Jason, Matt Brown all year after games and his coordinators have said the same thing when they didn't execute correctly. They talked about they needed to coach them better. It's on the coaches um, for the players. You know, it's the coach's job to coach the players to do it correctly and do it um, correctly every time. In a game like this, though, isn't this a game um, against an opponent like this that is on the players to actually get it done? I mean, I, I would assume – um, and I don't think it's a faulty assumption that the coaches are going to coach the same way. But this is a type game. Greg mentioned the program building game. This is a type game where it's on the players to do, to have the correct mindset, to go into this game like it's any other game. Is that an accurate thought process that I have there that, yeah, Mac Brown can say it's on us to coach them better. But this is the one game, maybe the one or two games a season where it's actually on the players to get it done. Uh, period, coaching or not. Yes, that's accurate. And it's accurate not just in this game, but in every game. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is that it, it, it's it's noble for coaches to say, you know, that's on us. We got to coach them better. And sure, that's true. But you can coach them perfectly. And if they don't buy in and do what they're supposed to do, then it doesn't matter how good a coach you do or, or how good a coach you are and how good a coach, coaching job you do. I mean, it's always a two-way street, and you know that's the thing about football is that you actually have to get those guys to execute. That's the coaching part, but then they got to go out and actually do it. <laughs> that's the only way you can get them to do it is if they do. They actually go out and do it. So, 
it's not any different in that regard. The only difference is that that you're going to have you're dealing with a situation where players may not have as much intrinsic motivation. So you got to find ways as players to stay motivated and to go in and persuade yourself that you have to go all out here to make sure that this is done right. And and the you know the best coaches find a way to basically make it about uh, it's about us. It's about execution and it doesn't matter what the other team does. What matters is whether we did whether we lived up to our standard. And you know, I know just speaking from my own experience, I've had quarterbacks throw touchdowns and then come to the sideline and me chew them out because I did not like the decision or I didn't like the ball placement or whatever. And they're celebrating and I'm I'm not a happy camper when I get there or when they get there. Like, what were you doing throwing there? That was the easier throw. That would have, would have scored too, but a whole lot easier and doesn't put the ball in uh, in danger. Well, it's not about the result. It's not about the opponent. It's about whether we meet the standard. And that's what you do as, coach, as coaches. So this is also about coaching, but of course it's about the players. And one thing I will say that as far as the vanilla thing, I I, I agree with everything you said, Greg, but there's one place where I would I would differ in the way that I would, that, that I would say it. And that is if you have to leave your base stuff to win this game or to dominate this game, that's a bad sign. You do want to stay. I mean, ideally you're in your base packages running your bread and butter. Like this is the stuff that we, that we run at North Carolina and we run it a bunch and we're going to run that and we're going to make sure that we polish it up and we're not going to, we're not pulling out any sort of, trick plays or anything like that. There's no need to put any of the wrinkles in that we might have. Otherwise it's base stuff. So if that's what you mean, Tommy, by vanilla, then yeah, I think you stay vanilla here. If you mean anything other than that, then, you know, everything you said, Greg, is exactly what the coaches are trying to get across to these players is like, look, we need to, we, we can't just treat this as, oh, we can go through the motions because you can't, you go through the motions, you're going to get hurt or you're going to, you might get upset even by a bad team. Yeah, I think a great example now that we're in the basketball season uh, is North Carolina's game against Elon the other night. And a lot of people on on social media were talking about, hey, Cole Anthony didn't even have a great game. And yet here he is close to a triple double against a really bad team. And Roy Williams shot that down very quickly and saying, look, he had four turnovers. And twice it was because he was trying to break double teams with the dribble. At this level, you cannot do that. Does it matter against Elon? No, it doesn't matter against Elon. But he's not coaching Cole Anthony to get better against Elon. He's coaching Cole Anthony so he can be better against better competition. And that kind of goes back to what we're talking about here is, yes, you should beat Mercer easily. You can beat Mercer with your B game. You can beat Mercer with your C game. That's not what we're talking about. It's about playing to that standard, like Jason said. And fans hearing this may say, oh, yeah, this is just coach speak, whatever. I get it. But I just want to remind everybody about East Carolina last year. And there were North Carolina Tar Heels talking after that game about how they took ECU for granted. And I know ECU is at a different level than Mercer. But North Carolina got embarrassed in that game because they thought they could roll into Greenville against a bad ECU game and sleepwalk to victory. And this is the team that had won, what, three games the year before? That's what Mac Brown is coaching against. 
he's not coaching just about this team or next year. He's coaching about changing the culture from previous years. And so this is this is a big complex thing that he he's trying to address. And that's why he showed the the film from last year from that Western Carolina game. We can't have these setbacks. Like if you're elite and you're Alabama or you're Clemson and you have a bad game, you're good enough to to advance anyway. Uh, but if you go in thinking you're going to win or you go in thinking it's going to be easy and you won't have to try as hard as you should, that's that's not what he's about. That's not how you win titles eventually. Uh, and so that, I think this is an important game from that standpoint. It's not an important game in terms of the scoreboard. We know how that's going to turn out. Uh, but in terms of the coaching, in terms of, of building the program and, and setting that standard, uh, th- that's what this is about. Indeed, and it's, it'll be interesting to see the approach. I'm going to take another quick break, come back. I'm going to ask you both about the defensive side of the ball because uh, offense is one thing, uh, but the defense is showing a little wear and tear this late in the season. Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk about it. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greg, uh, earlier in the week, you posted the PFF stats or or the snap counts, and I think Mac on the message boards did them as percentages of um, total number of snaps or whatever. The numbers on the defensive side of the ball were ridiculous. Um, especially when you compare them to some of the other teams that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. But so I ask you, you know, obviously you've got to point, you've got to win the game, you've got to get ahead. But at what point uh, do you really look into this game here on the defensive side, specifically guys like Crawford and Strobridge, that to get them even more rest? You know, virtually two weeks of rest going into NC State. I mean, is it the same on both sides? Or do you treat the defense a little differently given the, the wear and tear that they've suffered all year? Uh, I, I do think you're cognizant of the fact that these guys have played an inordinate amount of snaps, that it has been an issue this year. But I but also think yeah, North Carolina had uh, a bye prior to the pit game. 
you know, since Pitt, they've got a nine-day break heading into this game. And when you consider that this game should pretty much be over by halftime, if not early in the third quarter, I don't know that you're that concerned about getting the guys rest because you play state and then you've got four weeks before your bowl game if you win both of these games. So I don't think getting rest is necessarily a concern at this point of the year. I think we're kind of past that. It's more about can we get guys further down on the depth chart a lot of reps to try to help them, to try to build uh, for the NC State game where maybe they can they can help us in that game or you know, be able to get the, you know, the 15 practices, which North Carolina would, would never be able to use, but uh, to get as many practices as you can before the bowl game leading into to next year. Uh, so I, I think the way the schedule is shaped up, um, they've gotten as much rest as they're going to be able to get. So I don't think that's the, the most pressing concern right now. I think it's making sure you get two wins to get to a bowl game uh, and there's there's been enough break for these guys up the last couple of weeks. They should be okay, regardless of how many snaps they need to take. All right, let's talk predictions a little bit. Um, I, I want to sort of add the caveat, Jason. I want your prediction, but I want also scoreboard, but also what you deem as success and, and positive out of this game against Mercer. You're up. Okay, so a couple things. Um, as far as scoreboard, uh, I'm going to go with North Carolina uh, 62, Mercer. Man, I feel like I'm, I'm doing one of the old Bears sketches. You know, it's, it's Ditka full size. Uh, you know, so I'm going to go with, uh, with the Tar Heels uh, 62, uh, Mercer, uh, Mercer 6. 16 actually we'll go 16 because their their coach is full size so um <laughs> as far as as far as i'm concerned success in this game is one get out healthy with with your most important players and then two crawford and strobridge play fewer than a combined 40 snaps in this game uh and that ultimately you're able to get uh, some of the some of the young guys, particularly on the defensive line, three full quarters of action. If you're able to if you're able to get out of the first quarter up fourteen or more, and and get into your depth early in the second quarter, that to me is success in this game. And that's really what you're aiming for here uh, to get some of those. Like Greg said, you want to get those guys reps. You want to give them the opportunity to get live action. That to me is that to me is success in this game. As few as snaps for Crawford and Strobridge as possible. I'll, I'll I'll mark that out as a total of under forty snaps for those two. For me, is success in this game. Greg, I, I take it you agree with pretty much everything, but you can't copy. So no six no uh, sixty two sixteen. So like uh, forty two negative seven. Can we do that? I don't think that. I don't think, I don't think that's possible. Um, yeah, I would say you know, 49, 13, we'll go there. Um, and I, I agree. I, I think this is, I mean, especially along the, the defensive front, the front seven, Jason has a good point there. Not only does North Carolina lose Strobridge and, and Crawford, uh, Cater's gone as well, but we've also learned, you know, of late, uh, Brent Lawless is, is moving on. who's was a four-star uh, lineman. 
we haven't seen him play this year. So I think there's kind of some writing on the wall there. There's been some some issues for the young man, which you hate to see. And then Jake Lawler uh, is graduating, a very sharp kid, uh, moving on to better things. And so there is a lot of playing time available. And we know about this recruiting class coming in. I mean, there's some studs in that class who are going to uh, challenge for playing time immediately. The guys that take the field on Saturday can say, look, you know, we're, we're able to show in a game, not in practice, because we've done that for, for months now, but in a game, we can actually play pretty well. And I think that's a, a great uh, carrot for these guys, not just on the you know, defensive front, but for everybody, but especially there to say, we understand secondary is going to be stacked next year. We don't know that about the defensive front. Um, you know, what if Chas Stratt decides to go pro? I mean, he's going to show out great at the combine. And so I, I think this is an opportunity this for, for those guys to really kind of have a, a training ground on a live game day situation. And I think that's very good for them. Uh, but more than that, I, mean, I think the you know, offensive line, you need more than six guys to be able to play. So who are some guys that can step up and play? William Barnes is somebody we've talked about a lot. Uh, Billy Rawls hasn't played a whole lot this year. So guys like that, I, I do think uh, snap count is going to be something we're going to pay attention to after this game. Um, but for me, beyond guys getting getting reps, I think for me, I'm really going to pay attention in the first quarter up to halftime. How do the starters do? Do they come in and just coast? Or do they come in and say, you know what? We're going to lay the hammer down. This is the first opportunity where we're significantly better than our opponent. Can we prove it? And how serious do they take that? That's going to tell us a lot, not just for next week against State, but for next year. And if they can come out and, and just kind of really show uh, how good they are on both sides of the ball, that's a good sign. That means that the coaching staff has gotten to them uh, and that they understand that, hey, we can be better than we've been. And there's a lot of potential for this team moving forward. And so that for me, that that's kind of what I'm I'm keen on. Yep, sounds good to me. I, I you know, what was always funny to me during the Larry Fedora era is whatever you want to say about how they played against regular teams. He absolutely whooped the dog out of FCS teams. <laughs> he beat I mean, he beat the hell out of teams like Mercer. And I I'm going to be interested to see, you know, and it's funny. And if you listen to Mike and EJ earlier, Butch Davis never really did that playing those type teams. Those games were much closer, it seemed like. So how the players react, for whatever reason, um, under Larry Fedora, they got up, whipped the hell out of those teams. And in the past, they didn't always do it. I'm going to go – I try to think of the, the most ridiculous score I can figure out just to – to dig at y'all, but I'm going to go 54 to 17. I think if Mercer scores more than 20, it's not successful. I think if we see Amendola throw two touchdown passes, that means Sam Howes had a great ball game as well, and everybody stays healthy. Yeah, a little bit shorter than normal, but Jason and Greg, you're always the best. Uh, we got one more of these to do, uh, but that'll do it for this one. So, guys, I appreciate you taking the time to join me. The Game Plan Podcast with Jason and Greg. Thanks, guys. Enjoy it, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. 
where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. We need to talk. The acclaimed Showtime original docuseries Couples Therapy returns with an addictive and revealing new season. Dr. Orna is back in session, helping four new couples grapple with real issues from religion and sex to polyamorous power dynamics. Collider says couples therapy is like nothing else on TV. It's break up or break through on the new season of Couples Therapy. Now streaming with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Visit ParamountPlus.com to try it free.